as our world continues to change, more and more we're finding that those growing up with us have not been informed of what the cost has been, excuse me, to allow us to have the freedoms that we celebrate. Every military personnel who has died in battle has received the Purple Heart, their family has, that is, and others who are wounded have received them as well. As the video just stated, that's not the one you want, but it's the one that's given with the greatest cost. So that being said, I want to just share a little personal story of something that I think is applicable here. First of all, for those who are not aware, since the beginning of this nation, we have lost 1.3 million combat personnel. Most of those, sadly, were in the Civil War. But I want to go to World War II because of my personal interest there. I have done a lot of study. The bloodiest battle was a battle at Okinawa. I know Iwo Jima, I know the European Front, but the bloodiest battle was Okinawa, where 12,000 American military personnel, Army, Navy, Marines, were killed. One of the reasons it was so bloody was because this was us trying to get a base from where we could attack Japan. And the Japanese dug in and fought desperately. Over 100,000 Japanese soldiers died at Okinawa. Almost that many civilian personnel died as well. What a bloody, bloody mess. As the armed forces came onto the beach, the Japanese had learned from previous engagements that rather than confront them on the beach, it was better to withdraw and trap them as they came in. One of the men coming onto the beach at Okinawa was Corporal Joseph Bishop, my dad. He was in an amphibious assault vehicle. The Japanese planes began to attack. Dad said they scrambled to get out of the vehicle because those were always the targets. He said, I landed on my face. Somebody landed on my back. And in the next few minutes, as they were attacked by the Japanese planes, Dad was injured, for which he received the Purple Heart. And he said, I'll never know if the person on my back did it intentionally or accidentally. But when the attack was over, he was dead and I was alive. So fast forward some years, a few years back, my sister contacted me. I have to understand my parents moved from Ohio to Texas and were living near Fort Hood because I had brother-in-laws who were serving in the military there. His 80th birthday was coming up, and we were scattered, as we still are, across the nation. 
And my sister said, can we not all try to come for dad's 80th birthday at their house? So we all made arrangements. We all flew in. But before that, my sister called me back and she said, you know, with all of our moving, we had moved so many, many times. Somehow, either dad's purple heart was lost or it was stolen. He said, we don't know which, but it's not here. So she said, I'm going to see if we can get dad's purple heart restored and present it to him at his birthday. My brother-in-law had just returned from Iraq. My sister had worked closely with their commanding officer's wife in the women's part of that military assistance. And so she asked for an audience with her husband's commanding officer. She went in and she said, um, he was a colonel, Colonel, is there any way that we can get my dad's Purple Heart restored? And he said, those, <laughs> those things don't happen easily. And so I can't make you any guarantees. He said, what we really have to have is some authentic documentation that he received the Purple Heart. Unbeknownst to me, my mother had which had come from my grandparents, the Marine Corps Western Union dispatch telling them of my dad's injury, the severity of the injury, and where the injury took place. So she said, if I have a Western Union dispatch, will that help? He goes, oh, that would be perfect. So she walks into the colonel's office in Fort Hood, Texas, and lays on his desk the Western Union dispatch from Marine Corps to my grandparents, He looks at the dispatch and he says, well, this is not possible. She goes, but sir, that is the official Marine Corps dispatch explaining to my grandparents the injury of my dad. Now, remember, we're sitting in Fort Hood, Texas, in his office. He says, no, you don't understand. The address, Route 1, Cross Anchor, South Carolina, That is my home address. He said, your dad will get a purple heart. So we're my sisters and enrolls this colonel and his wife. He's in full dress uniform. He gets out and presents to my dad the purple heart that has been lost or stolen. And in the process of doing this in such an amazing military fashion, he explains what happened because he had done the research to know what my dad had gone through. And to my amazement, nobody else in the family beside me even knew what had happened. Dad had never told me. He only told me because I was talking about joining the Marine Corps and he he was talking me out of joining the Marine Corps. He said, son, if you join the Marine Corps, they're, they're going to teach you one profession, and that's how to kill people. And so when you get out, unless you're going to work for the mafia, it's probably going to be hard to find a job. <laughs> so that day, my dad's Purple Heart was restored. And I, t- I tell that personal story to explain that here, one of his comrades, and he never told me the person's name, that when they were coming out of the vehicle that landed on top of him again, accidentally or intentionally, he said, I'll never know. 
but that's what saved his life. And, and I remember as a child, mom sitting around in the evening picking shrapnel out of dad's legs and back and all where the explosions had injured him. And by the way, he did, they didn't send him home. They passed him up and put him right in the battle. And if you've never seen anything about this particular battle, just watch the movie Hacksaw Ridge, which is Desmond Doss, who was the medic who went to war without a weapon. And on Okinawa, he saved 75 people without a weapon. The only, make sure I get the phrase right, the only military personnel that was awarded the congressional honor who never took a life, but only saved life. So God is working there in ways that we don't understand. But somebody, somebody gave their life for you and I to have the freedom that we enjoy as Americans. I hope you know that. hope you understand that. But I want to take it to the next place. Chris has already alluded to it quite well. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And as that Word of God comes to us as This flag represents the freedom that we have as a nation because so many have given their lives to allow us to have that. This flag, the Christian flag, represents the giving of a life, the life of Jesus Christ that has given us life. And that's why we have life. Now, what we do with that life is up to us. And really what it comes down to is how willing we are to surrender ourselves to God so he can use us in whatever way he sees fit to build his kingdom and to touch the lives of others. And many of those lives we may not know. Gerald Gaston lost his brother. Gerald, I apologize. I didn't even ask permission. Okay, if I share the story. Thank you. That's how you get permission. His brother passed away. The service was this week. And in introducing me to his brother, Gerald explained to me that his brother Charlie had accepted Christ six months before his death. Very much like the story that I told you about my uncle who accepted Christ six months before his death. In doing the service, the graveside service, I shared that with those who were there. And afterwards, a man that I'd never met walks up to me and he's crying. He's just crying. And he says, I've witnessed to Charlie. I bought him a Bible. I've witnessed to him. And until today, I did not know that he accepted Christ. There will be people that God will give us the privilege and the joy and opportunity to share the reality of Christ with, and we may never know. Because that happens as well. But as we're living the life of freedom that God has given to us, we so desperately want our life to be used, at least I hope and pray that we do, we so desperately want our lives to be used for His glory, for His praise. And the only way that's going to happen is for us to get to the Word, 
So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word. Say that again. If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. In other words, it's not just us getting in, but we're going to walk this out. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you what? Free. This week, as I was getting ready to do the message today, I reached over. For those who don't know, um, this Bible was given to me by this church family in 1990. This thing has been through thick and thin, trips to India, wherever, it's been through it. It's starting to get pretty ragged, and the pages are sticking together, so I actually bought another Bible. It took me months to find another Bible I was willing to buy because this one's out of print, and I can't get it. But it was so odd as I restarted to pick it up this week to use it today here. I even made a note. It was so real. I said, oh, that's my old friend. Isn't that cool? This is my old friend. It's been with me for so long. Now, I had Bibles before, and I'll have Bibles again. I have stacks of Bibles in my office. But this one has been the one that God blessed me to have from this congregation back in 1990. And it's still holding together somewhat, but it's getting ragged. But it's my old friend. And my old friend says, as the Holy Spirit who inspired it lives within me, if you will continue in this, if you will continue in this, you are my disciples. So let me ask you a question. Are you? Are you his disciples? Are you continuing in his word? Because as we do, he says, that's what makes us free. Well, then it goes to this. In Paul's writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or there is freedom. But we all with unveiled face behold as it was a mirror the glory of the Lord as being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as from the Lord the Spirit. Remember we said last week when you have the Word of God and the Spirit of God in a proper proportion that's when you grow up and mature in the relationship that is ours with Christ. Is that not amazing and wonderful that this is ours in him and how this works out for us as the word of God that was inspired by the spirit of God and now the spirit of God lives within us and it reveals the word to us, it translates it for us and we get to walk it out because he empowers us every day to do that. Well, I have some other scripture I want to read. Because this week as I was working on the message, this and I, I didn't bother to put it up. I'm going to read it to you from my old friend. Psalms 40. This morning James and I were talking and James was talking about how this portion of Scripture had meant so much to him in some difficult times of his life. Here's what it says, Psalms 140. Look it up, please. Beginning in verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord. Let me read that again because we are in a world today where nobody waits patiently for anything. 
I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined to me, and he heard my cry. Anybody here ever just needed and had to cry out to God for help? David goes on to say, And when he heard my cry, he brought me up out of the pit of destruction and out of the miry clay. Now, you need to understand, I've done this many times, so most of you will know this. But what would happen in this time of history, the hunters would dig deep holes. And as they were chasing a game or sometimes a slave, they would be directing them toward that trap. And because it was an open pit, as rain would come and get in the bottom of the pit, it would be just such a mucky mire so that when you fell in, you were stuck. You just couldn't get out. David says, that's what my life was like. I was in the pit. Read all of Psalms and see all the things that David went through. His own personal life, his family life, his national life. All those things that he went through, all the difficulties. He said, I was in the pit, the muck and the mire. And there is where I cried out to God. And when I did, he heard me. And look what he did. He set my feet upon a rock, a solid rock, making my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. And because of what he has done in my life, listen carefully, he's in the pit, he's in the muck, he's in the mire. He cries out to God, God comes, and God helps him, and God relieves him from the stress and puts him on the solid rock. And he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. And because of that, many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. Well, let's analyze a little bit those pits. Some of those pits have been dug and set for us as traps by the enemy. And sadly, we fall in those pits because we're not listening to God. We're not paying attention to the Holy Spirit. We're not allowing his word to be revealed to us and we fall in those pits. And sometimes we dig those pits and then we wonder, why am I in this pit? You dug it. And we've all done it. If you haven't done it, I can tell you I have. And in those times of distress, I will cry out to God and say, Oh God, I can't believe I did this again. I can't believe I let my thoughts and my attitudes become as they have. So contrary to you, because of something somebody did, something somebody didn't do, whatever the case may be. And I cry out to him. And I get to watch as my God, who loves me so desperately, comes to me in that pit, a place that I cannot get out of by myself, my own initiative. I can't read some self-help book that's going to get me out. But oh, my God, who loves me, he puts his arms around me as his child. He lifts me up. He puts me over on that solid rock. And then he does that incredible, amazing work of grace putting a new song in my heart of praise. And that's how I've seen my life all over these years as, as I go through the trials and difficulties of life and circumstances. 
when I get to that place of praise, when there's that new song, and that's why today I do everything I can to spend time in the books and chapters of the Bible that is about praise, because we have so much to be grateful for. We have so much as a nation to be grateful for, for what God has done for our nation and those who've given their lives, but we have so much more to be grateful for, because our God has given us life. And it's not just existence. It's not just hanging on. It says in John 10, it's life abundant. It's life eternal. That's our God who loves us and has done for us. And now the only question is, what are we going to do for him? I know I'm bouncing back and forth. Let me bounce a little bit more. When my dad enlisted in the Marine Corps, he was sent to boot camp in California, Camp Pendleton. And there he was trained along with all the other Marines who were going to be used in the Pacific campaign. And if you're not familiar with military training, everybody has to be trained in the basics no matter what. doesn't matter if you're an officer enlisted, everybody gets trained in the basics. Because at some point in time, something may happen that all those basics are required. Let me make it nautical for you because I was in the Navy. On our ship, every person, somebody asked the question back there. Uh, in fact, if you've ever watched the movie Pearl Harbor and the sailors standing on the side of the ship as they're being attacked and the ship's going down and he says, I can't swim, that's a lie. You don't get there without being able to swim. They would make us jump off a diving board into a swimming pool with two or three hundred guys and you had to make so many laps around the pool while you're being elbowed and kicked and hit because that was going to come. There's going to come a day when you may experience that. Thank God I didn't, but that could happen and it did happen so very many times in World War II, World War I as well. So everybody on that ship, the one thing you know is they know how to swim. The other thing is that everybody on that ship knows how to communicate. There's a communication system, and everybody in that ship, from the captain to the lowest seaman, everybody knows how to work the communication system because communication is crucial. Everybody on that ship knew how to fight a fire. I wasn't a fireman. I was in nuclear weapons. But I was like every other person on that ship. I knew how to fight a fire on a ship. The other thing was flooding. It's a ship. It's on the water. If it comes in, it's bad. We all knew how to handle ruptures in the hall, whatever the case may be. All those things, everybody knew how. And then from there, you began to get your specialties. But back to my dad, as he was landing, because he was trained on amphibious, amphibious assault vehicles, he had a very specific person, uh, responsibility, but at the same time, he knew all the other basic stuff, just like every other Army Marine landing on that beach or Navy personnel. Well, guess what? In the Christian faith, we're all supposed to know the same basic stuff. Yes, God may call us on to something else, it may be missions, it may be ministry, whatever it may be, but all of us are to know what it is to read the Word of God, apply the Word of God to our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit and be free and not live in those pits 
that have been dug for us, or we've dug ourselves, will be free indeed by the power of God to live the life that God's allowed us to live. In a few minutes, we're going to close out our service with another patriotic song. A couple of our young ladies are going to come and sing that for us. And then after that, we're going to get to do something I think is absolutely incredible. We're going to have the privilege of voting on whether or not we as a church family will donate $42,500 to Faith Comes by Hearing so that a people group somewhere in our world who does not have the Word of God translated into their language will get that along with a video that can be used to express that. So just in a few minutes, we're going to do that. Now think about this. Think about legacy. The legacy of this church family, every person that any of us have ever witnessed to and they've come to know Christ, that's part of the legacy of this church family. Every person we've ever discipled and trained and helped to grow in their faith and to walk it out in everyday circumstances, that's part of the legacy that God has given and God's provided. What part of the legacy if we choose to vote in favor of that donation will be that a language people somewhere in our world, and we'll be informed what that is as time goes on, We'll get to hear the word of God in their own tongue for the first time. I think that's pretty amazing. It's almost like I'm kind of encouraging you how to vote, isn't it? But the greatest vote that we'll ever take will be every morning that we get up. And we choose that we will serve under that flag rather than allowing the enemy to put us right back in that stupid pit again where we can't get out. Unless we cry out to him and ask for help. So let's do this. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us. One, to know how to cry out and ask for help. And two, to receive it as he gives it. Heavenly Father, so grateful for your love and grace, kindness and mercy power and majesty. Holy Spirit, right now as you're working in all of our lives, and and Lord, we're in different places. Some of us are in that pit, and we can only feel the muck and the mire and the, the inability to escape. But, oh, God, we're believing that you're the one loving God, loving Father who will come to our rescue And take us out of the muck and the mire and put our feet on you, Lord Christ, our solid rock. And thank you, Holy Spirit, living within us. You give us that new song of praise, that new song to honor our God and to speak volumes to our world around us. 
of how good, how loving, and how merciful you are to us. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.